Monday, March 12th. Having a conversation concerning today's headlines and real-life challenges. I'm Tom Lamprecht, along with Pastor Harry Reeder. Stay with us as we apply a biblical worldview with gospel solutions to put the issues of today in perspective. News story, Harry, Fox News, the Florida House passed a school safety bill this past Wednesday that includes new restrictions on rifle sales and a program to arm some teachers sending the measure to the governor for his signature. Governor Rick Scott, at the time this bill passed, declined to say whether he would sign the legislation. It's interesting to watch us grapple with the reality of evil in this world, and yet we have a secular world in life view that is being adopted by our nation in general, our culture in particular. And in that secular world in life view, you leave no room for the role of the spiritual, for the role of the moral climate. You ultimately lose ethics except for what the culture approves. When you have a God-centered world in life view, then you work off a proper understanding of God's revelation as to what is right and what is wrong. In other words, the Creator has given us creation laws and reveal laws, and those laws then become our ethical absolutes. And the most obvious is like the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not steal. Those become ethical absolutes in which you attempt to moralize a culture. That is, the morality of a culture is the reflection of the ethical absolutes. Let me again put it this way. Ethics is the behavioral study of oughtness. Morality is the behavioral study of isness. Morality is what is the culture believing and doing? How is it framing itself in terms of its values? Ethics is a statement of how the culture ought to frame itself. And it doesn't say to the culture, what are you doing? It says to the culture, this is what you ought to be doing. You can't have ethics without apodictic law, or that is transcendent law, revealed law that speaks from the creator to the creation. This is what you ought to do. This is oughtness. So what happens when you move from a culture that says we're under God, God's laws are to frame our morality and our virtues, what happens when you move from that sacred view of culture informed by ethical absolutes to a secular view of culture which says there is no God to speak to us? Oh, you can privately believe in a God in your home or your house or in your heart, but it doesn't speak to public policy. Well, what happens then is you look at the morality of a nation, you then make your ethical statements from morality. In other words, you look at what people are doing, and then you start talking about what they ought to do in light of what they are doing. And so you look from morality to develop ethics instead of ethics to develop morality. Let me give you a prime example. The Word of God says you shall not commit adultery. So we used to teach our children and our young people in all of the framing institutions of society. We would teach them that you ought to save sex for marriage. That's what you ought to do. And then we attempted to speak to the culture, knowing that not everyone would do that, but yet you tried to develop the virtue of the culture from do not commit adultery. Now we move from sacred sex in the context of marriage as defined by God to 
the morality of safe sex. Well, the same thing happens when in terms of evil like this, where evil breaks out and people murder. And then when that happens, we automatically ask, why did this happen? And we then create a new morality, which is, oh, the guy used a gun, so we'll outlaw guns, and that will keep these things from happening. Let me be abundantly clear. Do I believe there needs to be regulations on instruments of death? Absolutely. I think there ought to be age limits. I think there ought to be background checks. Will that solve this problem? Answer, no. If people want to bring catastrophes of violence and death, they can find instruments, whether it's Timothy McVeigh using fertilizer or whether it's someone who uses an automobile, or whether it's someone that uses a gun. Our culture needs to understand, you need to go at the heart of the matter, and the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. That's where our issue is. Why is our culture producing such particularly young men who are in such despair over their identity that they can take perhaps what they've done in the privacy of a game room with a video and bring it into reality, eradicating nameless people by violent acts on their computer, now to eradicating nameless people in a school in order to express their angst and seek their identity in their moment of fame. What is it in our culture that would draw out such acts that would have been unthinkable? What is it that is eradicating the restraints on evil in the culture? Harry, let me take you to the other side of that coin, because while you have the Nicholas Cruises of the world that we look and say, where have our morals gone? At the same time, you have a couple of individuals coming out of this horrific story that truly were heroes. Aaron Feast, the football coach who literally laid down his life to protect students. A young 15-year-old, Peter Wang, who lost his life. He was a member of the high school's ROTC program. He was last seen wearing his gray uniform with black stripes as he helped open the door so other people could escape. There were others as well. And that is so inspiring and so encouraging to see such heroism that was displayed, selflessness, sacrificial acts of valor and courage on behalf of other people. Here is someone who is taking people's lives, and here are people who lay down their life in order for others to live. Of course, we're immediately reminded of the virtue of the Word of God that is promoted. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And in some of these cases, these people laid down their lives perhaps for people that weren't necessarily their friends. They didn't even know them, but they knew these people were made in the image of God, and therefore their life was sacred, and they were willing to lay down their life that others might live. When we bring in the transcendent majesty of God into a culture, that then lifts people's eyes up and even restrains those who would engage in such horrific acts. But when you take a culture and you just teach people, you are an accidental mutation of germs. There's nothing meaningful about you. You have no divine purpose of existence that God made you in his image and for his glory. Then you find the despair that begins to work into a culture and the culture in a death spiral of a death culture. Yet at the same time, praise the Lord for such stories as the one that you gave. My goodness, that young man in his ROTC uniform, you can almost see him standing bravely at the door, holding it open with the gunfire coming so that others could escape, and then his life is lost while others are saved. And then this football coach who literally, we are told, 
flung his body in front of the bullets as kids were trying to escape and thereby saving their life. Jesus, he laid down his life to save those who were at enmity against them. Just think, when I needed him and did not want him, but was in rebellion against him, this Jesus, who did not need me, wanted me, and laid down his life for me, so that I can be saved by the forgiveness of sins when he went to the cross. That coach gave a glorious picture of what Christ did on the cosmic scale of saving all of his people from all of their sins. And when you come to him, now you got a reason to live, not a reason to kill people, but a reason to live. Then life begins to pervade a culture instead of death. Harry, on tomorrow's edition of Today in Perspective, I want to go to Nashville, Tennessee, where Nashville Mayor Megan Barry recently resigned. She admitted to having an affair some time back with her head of security, but she didn't resign until finances came into the picture. In other words, follow the money became the reality of whether corruption was going to be addressed in the governing offices of the city of Nashville. And what was the sin of corruption that could remove you? And what wasn't a sin of corruption that would not remove you? It's interesting. Let's take a look at that story tomorrow. We'll do that on Tuesday's edition of Today in Perspective. As we close out, let me remind you to download the Briarwood app. It's yours at no cost. With this app, you'll have access to audio, video, and written resources that will challenge your walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to your favorite app store, type in Briarwood PCA. We'll do stop by again tomorrow, Tuesday, as we continue our conversation and as we apply a biblical worldview to put the issues of today in perspective.